The story of Elijah in the wilderness. Sometimes bad things happen and you just want to run away and hide or start over. That's what happened to one of God's prophets. Prophets are people who are chosen to speak God's words to God's people. And this prophet was named Elijah. There he is. Elijah thought he could hide from God, but God found him. Queen Jezebel was very, very angry. Elijah had ordered all of her priests to be killed because they were worshiping gods that weren't real. Elijah was a prophet, and his name means, my God is Yahweh. And Yahweh was the name that the Hebrew people had given to their God, whom they knew to be the one true God. Elijah was trying to do everything he could to be sure that the Israelites knew that God was the real, true God. Sometimes, that was a dangerous and scary job. Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, she threatened Elijah, so he ran away to save his life. Elijah ran to the wilderness. Everything with Jezebel was just so scary. All Elijah could think to do was to pray. Oh God, let me die. I've failed trying to teach people that you are real, the real, true God. While he was praying, he fell asleep. He woke up, and the angel gently touched him and said, Get up and eat. Al, we go back a few slides. I want to see Elijah with the angel. There. Back over. One more, one more, one more back. I think we'll take us there. We are. There's Elijah with our angel, who's speaking to him, saying, "Get up, eat." <laughs> Elijah saw bread baked on hot stones and a jar filled with water right there in the middle of the desert. He ate and then he drank and then he went back to sleep. Again, an angel touched Elijah and said, "Get up and eat. You need strength to continue your journey." After Elijah ate and then drank again, he walked for 40 days and nights. He came to a cave at Horeb, which is the mountain of God. Elijah saw, God saw Elijah there, and God asked him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've been trying to do the right thing telling people that you are the real, true God. But they just don't get it. Now they want to kill me. Well, the first thing that happened was a great big wind came. Do that with me. Wind. This wind was so strong that it tore the mountains apart and it broke rocks into little pieces. But God was not in the wind. Then an earthquake shook the cave. Did that be earthquake? But God was not in the earthquake either. And then a fire 
window. But God was not in the fire. And then finally, after the wind, after the earthquake, and after the fire, it was completely silent. Elijah wrapped his coat around his face. He went to the cave's entrance, and he said, and a voice said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah said, God, I really have tried very hard, but the people aren't listening. God said, Go to Damascus. There are people, there the people will help you. Tell them that they will have holy jobs that God has chosen for them. I'll take care of Israel. Now there was another man whose name was Elisha. Sounds a lot like Elijah. But this other man, Elisha, was plowing a field with 12 oxen when Elijah found him. And Elijah walked by and he threw his coat over Elisha. What could that mean? Well, Elisha knew exactly what it meant. He ran after Elijah. Let me say goodbye to my parents. Then I'll come with you and help you. Elisha went back and prepared a meal for his family. And then Elisha went with Elijah. Now we just heard an old, old story about the prophet Elijah from the Hebrew Bible. This story has much to teach us today. I hear two lessons for us in this scripture. First, remember that Elijah was afraid for his life. He's afraid that Queen, Queen Jezebel would have him killed. And so he runs away to the wilderness. And the wilderness is like a desert, where it's easy to get lost and die from lack of food and water. Elijah feels defeated. He feels like nothing he's done is good enough. Maybe you feel that way sometimes, too. And so Elijah sits down under a tree, and he's like, Ugh, God, I am so mad, I want to die. And then an angel shows up with some fresh bread for Elijah to eat and clean water for him to drink. Through this angel, God is basically saying, here's some food. Why don't you take a nap? And so Elijah eats, and he sleeps. And when he wakes up, he decides that things really aren't so bad, after all. He feels well enough to continue the journey that God has called him to make. So that's the first lesson of today's scripture. Never, ever underestimate the spiritual power of a nap and a snack. <laughs> Especially when you're feeling mad or sad or nervous, sometimes there's nothing quite like a nap and a snack. Anger. Anger is real. That's right. He was quite the hangry prophet. But there's a second lesson from this story too. Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai, the same mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments. And once Elijah arrives at this holy mountain, 
he hears God's voice asking him this really important question. What are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, why are you here, Elijah? Why are you here? Elijah basically replies, God, I have been so faithful, and yet life is so hard, and no one seems to really believe in you but me. And God says, go stand on the mountain, because I'm going to come and pass by. And so Elijah goes out, and he stands on the mountain, waiting for a sign that God is with him. First, remember, there's that big wind. Breaking rocks into pieces. But God, remember, wasn't in that wind. Then there's a great And then there's a great fire. But God is not in the fire. Either. And after the fire, remember, there's total silence. The sound of silence. Elijah knows something is really important is about to happen. Because he covers his eyes. He probably believes that it could be too much if he sees God face to face. And then he listens, and he stops, and he listens long and hard into that silence. And that's when he hears it. That's when Elijah hears God's still, small voice. And God's still, small voice tells Elijah what he needs to do next. And that's the second lesson for us today. <laughs> So often, God does not make God's presence known to us through big signs, winds or earthquakes or fires. So often, instead, God shows up in the still, small voice we hear when we get quiet enough to listen, really listen. In order to hear God's slow, small voice, we need to slow down. We need to let go of our big ideas about where God really is. We also need to pause our planning, problem-solving minds and our busy hands for a moment so that we can just be. Only by slowing down and listening can we really hear the Spirit of God that is within us and around us. Now the question that God asks Elijah is one that we can ask ourselves too. Why are we here? Next. There we are. Why are we here? What is our purpose as individual people? What is our purpose as a congregation? What is our why? It's a big question. Why are we here? Often, it's hard to answer. But I believe that we can discern, which means we can listen with the ears of our hearts for God's still, small voice. If we slow down and if we pay attention to what we care about the most. God's voice doesn't come in ways that split the sky or shake the earth. Instead, we can hear God's voice in the stories that move us 
We can hear God's voice in the things about this congregation that we hold dear. To conclude, I would like to share with you the results of some listening that we as a congregation have already done for God's still, small voice. I'd like to invite Lynn Hildreth, Sandy Galvin, and Sue Hagel to come forward to present these findings with me. Now, some of you were part of the Next Steps small group gatherings that happened back in November. The people who met that day in small groups were asked questions about what they love about First Congregational Church in Billerica. Folks were also asked about what some of the challenges are that we face as a congregation. I believe that the things that we appreciate and the challenges we face both point to the things we care about. In other words, our values. Who is God calling us to be and to become as a congregation? Why are we here? To respond to this question, we can reflect on what we care about most, about our values. Now, Lynn, Sandy, and Sue examined the results of the Next Steps gathering, and they considered all that they had heard in and out of meetings over the years about what the present and the future of our congregation looks like. They slowed down and listened to God's still, small voice. And here's what they heard. Next, please, Ellen. Seven core values. So let's listen for God's voice in these values, noticing what speaks to us through them. You can see them up on the screen in a moment, and you can also find the full list as an insert in your bulletin. I invite you to follow along at home while you're listening. As a congregation, we are and value becoming more fully welcoming. We value offering everyone a warm and accepting welcome, offering love, care, unconditional acceptance, respect for our differences, and compassionate support. I was a stranger and you welcomed me is on our front door. Faith nurturing. We value generations learning more about our faith through prayer, worship, inspirational music, and small group exploration. We especially value investing in educating and nurturing our children to help them grow in their faith and develop a foundation of community and service. Community building. We value extending our love, care, prayer, compassion, forgiveness, and support to the greater community and to those in need in the world beyond us. Justice seeking. We value serving to ensure social justice, peace, equity, safety, and spiritual growth 
to the last, least, and lost of us. John 17, verse 18. Partnership-driven. We value working together with our interfaith community so that we can do God's work and follow the way of Jesus Christ. Creation-minded. We value caring for the physical world that God created for us and all living things. And last on this list, participatory. We value providing a chance for everyone, people across the full spectrum of abilities, to become involved in our church life and community outreach with their time, their talents, and their financial giving. Thank you, Lynn, Sue, and Sandy, so much for your work of discernment in listening, in identifying, and then in proposing these as some of our core values as a congregation. You know, there may be something missing from this list, something else that we care about as a congregation that's not up on that slide. And there may be something that you hear if you slow down and stop and listen for God's still, small voice. If there is something else, I invite you to let me and Sue and Lynn and Sandy know. We welcome a conversation with you about what matters most. And, and, I invite you to take these values and others that matter to you and bring them with you to our congregational meeting after worship. These values can help us to remember our why. They can help us to respond to God's yearning, loving, hopeful question to us, why are we here? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Please. Will you pray with me? Oh God, teach us the wisdom of slowing down and pausing. Help us to know when it's time to have a nap and a snack. Help us to know when it's time to reflect, to discern, to get in touch with our own stories, and to name what matters most. Speak to us, Holy One, Oh, speak to us now in your still, small voice. Guide us toward the future that you dream for us. Amen.